We've been working with today's guest for over 10 years to help launch and grow his product business. Along the way, he ran into some funding and manufacturing challenges that he has since overcome very successfully. If you have similar challenges in your business, then you'll really enjoy hearing Saul's stories on how he overcame many adversities in his journey to getting his amazing product to market. Are you looking for new ways to make your sales grow? You've tried other podcasts, but they don't seem to know. Harvest the growth potential of your product or service as we share stories and strategies that'll make your competitors nervous. Now, here's the host of the Harvest Growth Podcast, John LeClaire. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm really excited to be speaking with a longtime friend of mine, Saul Ryan. He's also the founder and inventor of an amazing product. There's no other way to say it. It's called The Shade Wagon. We've been working together on this project for a very long time, and it's been so much fun. Saul, as you'll get to know him, is a great guy, but also has a great product. I'm going to let him describe the product. We can show some videos, et cetera, for those of you who are watching. Anybody else who's interested in learning more, if you've got the audio feed while you're driving, check out theshadewagon.com. As always, it's in the show notes. So if you're driving, when you get to your destination, check it out uh, and reach out to us or to Saul with any questions. But he's got a great story, great product. Look really forward, really look forward to diving into this together. Saul, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, John. Glad to be here. So tell us about, I know the product well. Our audience does not maybe some of them yet know much about the shade wagon. What is the product? Uh, it's a quick portable uh, setup, like a 10 by 10. They got the legs and they're, they're a little bit bulky. And this is a, it's in a little wagon. Uh, it's a one person setup and it has uh, adjustability, 180 degrees and 360. So, you know, with the sun, the way it moves, it's something that you can just, cater your shade to wherever you are without having to move the system. And it is an amazing product. The, one of the things it's, that I love about it is it's really easy to use too. So I've, you know, living in Colorado, we get 300 days of sunshine, which is great yeah. unless you're sitting in it all day. And it's, uh, you know, can be, especially being a, you know, a redhead, my hair is fading, but I do still have that fair skin that burns so easily. And so I'm always looking for shade. Umbrellas, canopies. So umbrellas are kind of a pain, don't work very well. They're small. It can really only work for one person. You got to hold on to them, you know, shade umbrellas, that sort of thing. Shade canopies are much bigger, but they move with the sun, right? So I always find it funny when you've got a family that's sitting, outside the shade canopy because the angle of the sun, right? Like they, in order to get the shade and as the, the sun goes down, you lose it, right? It gets thinner and thinner, but the beauty of the shade wagon, again, for those watching video have now seen this uh, during this podcast, if you're listening, go check it out at the shadewagon.com, but it's completely movable. Get it in any angle. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, even a vertical wall next to you, if you've got a setting sun that you need to block from your entire family, for example, and Again, super easy to use and set up. So we, we certainly love it and uh, have been having fun with it for, for a long time. How, how did you come up with the idea originally, Saul? Well, I, I contracted for 30 years and, you know, I went through, I mean, I, I can't even tell you how many of them, but went through at least 30 or 40 of those easy ups with uh, setting up on the job and you need two guys and, you know, if you don't pull evenly, the they bend up. So, I mean... Literally, we'd buy one the same day, it would, it would get trashed. And it was always kind of a pain in the butt. And we'd be on a job for a short time, but we really needed that break from the sun that was like 
it was a debate. Do we really want to break that thing out for this 15 minutes? But, you know, in the sun, it's, it's, it's heaven when you, when you just have it off your back for a few minutes. So, um, this was, this was the answer to it, you know, just something quick and easy that, that you wouldn't even think twice about opening it up or putting it away. And you can tell by Saul's accent that he is from Tennessee. <laughs> At least as not originally, though. Yeah, the Massachusetts accent certainly comes out. Um, but you've been in Tennessee, I think, that entire 30 years, right? When you talk yeah, contracting, yeah. it's the hot southern sun that you're in. And and uh, you've experienced that, as you said, for a long time and looking for a solution like this and really had to develop it yourself. When did yeah. you first know that you were onto something or not that it was just good for you, but that it would be a product that others would buy as well. Well, after I got the idea, I, uh, you know, I used to do doors and windows with Lowe's. And, uh, so every, every house that I went into, I mean, every single person had one of those 10 by 10s and it was the, the same thing. I'd always ask them, I'd be like, Hey, how do you like your easy up? And they'd be like, Oh, we love it. You know? We just hate setting it up, you know, so we don't use it. So I just kept a, a pad in my truck and every single homeowner that, that I talked to that had one, it was, the, it was the same exact reason. They did like it when it was up, but it was just, it was the, the pain of setting it up and putting it away and never being able to get it back. And, and uh, I realized then, I think I had a, a notebook that had over 100 names on it and that's when I just said, I, I got to do it. You know, it's, it's, it's needed. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's, I think listeners, probably everyone's thinking the exact same thing. Many of us have those easy ups, but it, it is such a pain to bring out, right? If you're not going to be there for hours, is it really worth it? And frankly, we've gone to the beach sometimes where, you know, even like, oh man, we're going to be for an hour and a half. Is it, is it really worth it? <laughs> it's such a painful process. And you've gotten yeah. rid of that. The, the easiness is fantastic. Um, yeah. And the flexibility, you know, being able to angle it for usage really anywhere. And the fact that it comes on a cart with big wheels that you know you could take over sand, over rocks, over grass, and really take with you anywhere. So you're not carrying this big, like a lot yeah. of those easy apps. Ours has, you know, two little, tiny little wheels on it. They never go across sand. No. It's a pain in the butt. It's just heavy and bulky. And yours is again, very different. It's, it's small, compact, fits in your trunk really easily and, and uh, is easy to set up. So yeah. What you, you talked about that early stage where you're know, talking to maybe 100 people or so, and they've confirmed, okay, you, you've got an idea here. It's a problem they're experiencing. Now let's fast forward a little bit. When you developed it further, you, had, you got to the point where you now had a working model, working prototype of this. What would you do next? To, before you really put a ton of money into it, how did you then confirm that there was something here from a business perspective? Well, uh, you know, I did a lot of work. You met my cousin, Jeremy. He was a big part of it. And I, and I would go down there and work in his shop because he had a real good shop. He had all the, you know, everything that was needed to fabricate metal, steel, just anything, fiberglass. So I'd go down there and he would take the prototype to jobs and, you know, use it. And just everybody, every time he'd break it out, they'd be like, Oh my God, that's, where'd you get that? You know? And he'd be like, Oh, just, you know, just something we built, we're working on, you know, trying to get it out there. And people would be doing video shoots at the marinas and stuff. And they just, just the feedback was unbelievable. Every time we brought it out, it was, it was just like, it, it, you know, this is, this is going to be big, you know? So 
just we just kept developing it and and in the beginning i thought way too much into it i mean i was i had speakers in it and it was you know full it just had a lot of things on it and really it just needed to be the canopy system and that's something i wish i would have learned way earlier in the stage and after so many times here and just get the train on the tracks so i i had to just let all the extras and all the other stuff go and just focus on the canopy and you know was able to finally do that it was it was finding the right materials that was the hardest part because it had to be strong and durable but it had to be lightweight you know for you know an older woman gardening or something like that so we, i had to keep all that in mind and then i had to keep the size in mind be able to fit it into a trunk uh just there was just so many things that i had to figure out and make it all come together but um once it did it, I knew it was it, it was going to be a good product. Yeah, for sure. And a, and a lot of that work was done before we met, you know, back in, I think it was 2018, 2017, quite a few years ago when oh, you yeah. had the per- prototype already and you'd, you'd done a lot of that testing and worked out a lot of the kinks early stage. And then after we met, we worked on some market research together too. So this was what I think I found helpful as part of that process and really helped out uh, you know, the early stage of the business is, it's now we're talking to people that have no connection to you, right? They're not yeah. in front of you face to face, which is great in the beginning. It's a great first step to do the work again, work out kinks, et cetera. But to do a final step of market research with people that can be objective, they don't care anything about you personally, yeah. right? They're going to be objective <laughs> in their answers. And, and, and especially, you know, even if you don't know somebody, you're talking to them face to face, it's harder to say negative things. Whereas yeah. with research online, you know, where they're typing out their answers, it's, uh, it's much easier. And oh, even yeah. in that, the response we saw was phenomenal, but it also helped us to figure out how to talk about it, how to price it, you know, who the, yeah. who the audience is, who, who we're talking to. And that really teed us up for, for eventually doing a, a test campaign, right? So yeah. a pre-order campaign, even before you had inventory, yeah. uh, which we did together for you know, not a lot of money in terms of media dollars, but it was able to to prove out before placing your big order, you know, for our audience's benefit, this is a, it's a big product. It's, it's not, you know, this is not a $20 gadget. So when you've got inventory, you've got to bring in, it's a big expense. And so before doing that investment, that's where that test yeah. market can come into play and, and worked, I think, uh, so well for you and, and kind of yeah. teach you up for your next round of success after that. Yeah. So you, uh, let's talk about some manufacturing issues you ran into along the way, uh, like any business, especially with a product as complex as yours, right? As you mentioned, you had features that have come and go as you realized they were maybe too expensive or not necessary or whatever, but you still had to have the quality, you had to make sure it worked perfectly up to your specifications. And along the way, like any, any product development project, there were hiccups. So uh, can you talk about some of these issues and how you overcame them? Yeah, it was manufacturing. That was tough. Um, I was fortunate. I, I got the manufacturer I'm with now through my 3D CAD guy, the guy that did all the CAD work and all that. And uh, I met him through my patent attorney. So, you know, I guess it is, you know, you know, meeting people, it, you know, it lines up it just with everything. But I got him through my patent attorney and then he he had – uh, products that he he had done for other people that this company manufactured. So when I went to went to China in 2018, and I paid a company to bring us bring me around to three different manufacturers, 
And it was good, but it was all three companies came back with incomplete bids. So I'm looking at it and I'm like, they don't even have like 13 parts on it. Cause we've got, I, I think it's just under like 200 parts for it. So there's lots of pieces and all this very confusing. Um, but the bids came back, you know, not complete. And I'm like, you know, what am I going to do? So, and then we had the the election going and everything. So I opted to go with a, a, a company from the United States, which um, I, that was, that wasn't a good move. Uh, COVID had hit and it was, they were charging me, uh, you know, five times what they had agreed to charge me. Cause I came back from China and I got some quotes and I got a price from this manufacturer that I was going to go with, but just because of everything, it's in hindsight now, I wish I would have, but it is what it is. Didn't go with them, went with this company in the United States and I lost, basically lost all the money for all the molds, everything, you know, it was, it was a couple hundred thousand dollars. So I was, I wasn't in a good position. Um, you know, I knew I still had my patents and, and all that. I still had time, but um, it still was like, you know, time's running out. I got to get it manufactured. And all my money was gone, my big money. that You know, I, I had that, and it was it was there for that. And, you know, the guy just said, sorry, that's the best. That's all we can do, you know, and that was it. So that was a, that was a low point. But it didn't. It didn't even phase me really. I just was like, well, just got to figure something else out. And I think about nine months went by and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to try to get, I'm going to try to get somebody that can, if I go live with a website, somebody will see it and, and somebody's going to see the value in it. So just had a website built, put pictures of the prototype on there, you know, not, not good footage, grainy. And uh, ended up, you know, a guy, a guy had seen it who he ended up being the investor for this product to get it to where we're at now. But he saw it and he saw how how useful, how, how much it's needed. You know, he lives in Florida. And he's just like, you know, he, he's he's been using his ever since we got our pre-production prototypes back. I mean, he's outside. He's, he's out every day with his kids and he's using it and he loves it. And, you know, he, he saw the value in it. So that's that's how I got this investor. And once that happened, uh, all the people that had pre-ordered, we had sent them uh, an email and said, this is this is when we're looking at manufacturing. And we understand if that's a little bit too far out, we'll, you know, we can refund your money. But if you want to stay on, then we'll do something nice for you with some aftermarket products, we said. And, and every single person that bought it said, no, you know, just – just go ahead. We want, we want our unit, you know? So that was how I, I, I got into where I'm, I'm manufacturing again, because the banks, you know, I, you know, you, you, the collateral, the collateral that you need to put up is I just didn't have it. You know, it was just, it wasn't at that point. I, all my money was gone on that first round. So um, it was a savior, you know, getting, getting the investor Steve in there. So yeah, for sure. And it's, I, I think a couple nuggets from what you just talked about. One is, you know, we get asked questions all the time from especially early stage inventors. Hey, how do I find 
investors to, to come into my business. And, you know, friends and family are the most common route. Um, but oftentimes when you've got a great product, as far as you can take it and as much word as you can get out about that, oftentimes investors will come in from that, right? As, as in your case, right? You had a great yeah. product put together, as you, as you said, kind of a grainy website with pictures of the prototype or whatever, but you yeah. could still see through the the potential behind this. Um, yeah. So that's a, that's a great learning. I think that, um, isn't always understood. The other piece to, to really, I want to reiterate of what you said is US versus overseas manufacturing. I think it's most in, in, the, in America and in the United States, at least a lot of companies would love to manufacture here in the States or you know, at least on North America versus going to yeah. Asia over overseas. It is difficult from a financial perspective um, because it's often so much less expensive. So it's just, you know, we're kind of forced into doing it. But there's also benefits in, in being overseas. Sometimes we don't have here in terms of flexibility with, you know, help with CAD design. They're, they're, some of them can be very entrepreneurial and you know less expensive, even the, in the development part of the process where uh, many of the U.S. manufacturers are, are more intended for later stage. Yeah. But one thing I think you pointed out that is um, maybe a unique understanding or it's not commonly understood is and you, you got to be very careful working in factories overseas to make sure they're not going to take your money and run or whatever it might be. Right. But the same thing applies to us, right? The, it yeah. happens here too. Yeah. It's, you you got to be careful everywhere. That same mantra, that same advice really goes, whether it's us or, or overseas, it's not like doing everything here is completely safe. You just got to go into every business relationship with your eyes wide open to make sure you yeah. understand what's going on. So later in your process, you went over to China where your manufacturing currently sits and and finalized it. So they were, they were getting close. You and I had been talking for a long time, back and forth. Yeah. They were getting close. We're getting close. They're almost there. They've got these little tweaks or whatever. And that's very normal. And then talk about how that trip to the factory helped you really shorten that development timeline and, and finally bring it. It was the final stage where you got the product exactly where it needed to be. And I don't know how much how much time do you think you saved by by doing that trip? Oh, uh, man, just that was that trip was everything. When uh, we were able to get out there, I only had one one guy. He was my contact uh, that can speak real fluent and his name's Mr. Bai. He's he's the nicest guy in the world. I mean, one thing I will tell you, they, they treat you like royalty. They're very, especially, I mean, you know, bringing the product, they thank, you know, they, they, they would thank me and say, you know, thank you for bringing this wonderful product here. So like really nice. And, you know, they're, they're asking, when are you coming back? You know, they want us coming out there every six months for quality control, which I, I can't do that. I might, you know, Jeremy or Steve might be able, but I do want to keep a good relationship with them because that's like everything. Because when we went out there, we sat in a boardroom for like 10 hours and all the engineers would come up and we'd, we'd explain it to Mr. Bai and he'd, he'd blur, you know, real quick and, and, I, and then the guys would leave and they'd come up with a part made and they'd implement it. We'd go, yes, that's exactly what we wanted. And, and, and we did that all day and they fixed, like we had 12 or 13 different things that just had to be fixed. They weren't, they just, they, it, it just would have been something where if a consumer got it, they'd be like, oh, why'd they do this, you know? So it was just little things like that. And we, we did everything in one day and we actually had to get another, 40 something thousand in molds. Uh, we had like three other things that we need made. And they said, if you do the order, we'll do them all for free. 
So we ordered and they did them all. They sent us the samples and we were just blown away at they, they being there. And, and I will say this, it would, it wouldn't be a fight with some things, but it would be like, well, you know, can't you just, and, 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 um, you know, my cousin Jeremy, thank God for him. Cause he's, you know, he, he was, he, he was able to really, uh, uh, you know, just like, he, it was just funny. It was hard to explain, but he was, he was almost begging him like, please, we, we can't do that. Um, I can give you for instance, like we have, uh, bearings on the casters on the wagon. Well, they were actually going to, we were going to have the bearings in the, they were expecting the, the customer to put the bearings in and grease it and put the cap. And we're like, absolutely not. There's no way. I mean, that's terrible. You know, so they were able to find an encapsulated bearing all clean done, you know? So just little things like that. You got to really, you got to really say, Hey, no, this, for this to really work. So you have to convey it, but they're real good about it. They, you know, they, they're real good about doing, and they, they take pride in their work. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Very true. And, and, and along, if you think back now, rewind to the many years you worked on this uh, to bring it to market in the first place, is there something you wish you would have known in the beginning that would have helped the process that just, if you think about our audience to give in some of these early stage inventors and entrepreneurs, any advice, what do you wish you knew back in the day? I would probably pause with a lot of, a lot of my quick actions. Um, I think if I would have taken a little bit more time and thought about things just a little bit longer, I might've made uh, some better decisions. And I, I lost a lot of money from just uh, talking to companies like, uh, like market research. Like we did that market research with you and that went great and all that. Well, this other company before we had even did it, you know, sold me on that. And it was, you know, a few thousand dollars and they were going to do this and that. And I really didn't um, think about it. And I should have, I didn't need that at that time. I already had confirmation I knew. And uh, so I guess, you know, really think about things and also watch out for scammers. Um, I did a, um, we, we, this company was, would put out uh, newspaper ads to new product, all that. And so this company got this company got a hold of me called the Insight Network. Come to find out, it was a it was actually the the uh, the mob. The it was a criminal enterprise, and they were targeting entrepreneurs. And it was it took a lot. It took me two years to figure it out, but it cost me, uh, you know, because they said I had to get this uh, business plan and get. Um, uh, incorporated in in uh, Europe, just a whole bunch of things. And me thinking it was great for my business and all this, and I got scammed and, and lost a ton of money through that too. So, I mean, my best best advice would be to really take your time. Don't make a decision and just jump on it because I probably could have saved probably close to, well, I could have saved you know, I could have saved all my money with better decisions. I mean, yeah. I started talking to you 10 years ago, the initial when I, and, and this is when um, uh, infomercials were the big thing. So I had a whole different game plan. 
And really, I mean, I, I should have just, just kept uh, improving the product and, and went from there. But I did get involved in other things that I thought were going to help me. And I, I lost a lot of money. So, I mean, that's really the only advice I could give towards, you know, pay attention to everybody because everybody's out there to take your money and not help you. But there's a lot of people out there that are there to help you. You just got to find them. Yeah. Yeah. Finding people with good references that good experience, et cetera. I remember you telling me a lot more detail behind that story of the European group. It was, it it sounded like the time and that, it's you know in, in hindsight it's easy to see right in, in the moment though it's these things are tempting because there was i think some promise of funding and things like that oh, and yeah. often oftentimes i think if it's good advice again you know it's easy to get swept up in these things but maybe a learning from that is if it looks too good to be true check it out extra hard right like it does take work as you've mentioned it takes work to make a product into a successful business and there's, you know, if you got to be careful with shortcuts, if anybody promises that they're going to make you, you know, your business take off with no investment or low investment right away. And, you know, without any testing or learning along the way, like it's often, if it sounds too good to be true, it, it often yeah. is. Well, Saul, is there anything I didn't ask you that you think could be helpful for our audience? When I first started making phone calls, there's some things that I still remember this woman, she ended up talking to me for like two hours after a hundred people were like, ah, yeah, you know, ain't got nothing for you. But, but she did. And, and she told me my timeline about how long it should take. And, and, um, she was, you know, I always remembered the things about it, you know, with like the product, the aftermarket stuff. And, uh, you know, you'll meet so many people. I mean, I traveled all across the country, went to different companies, looking at their, you know, their materials and stuff and, and met a lot of really good people. Yeah, very true. I think you've talked about there's there's good and bad people out there, of course, right? So there's there's you have to be careful for some that are whatever, bad in many different ways, right? But there are also some great people and and I, you know, heard from you, but we've heard from so many of our clients and friends in the industry as well that there are a lot of great people as well that that are willing to help that often won't yeah. charge, you know, just mentors people that have been through what you're going through at, you know, various stages of business and whether that's, you know, in the early days of, of finding a manufacturer or prototype development or getting investors, or whether that's, if you've got a hundred million dollar business, you're trying to take to a, a billion dollars, right? There's mentors along the way of, of people and companies that have done what you're looking to do and reaching out to them. There are good people and good companies, certainly that are, that are willing and eager to help oftentimes. Well, Saul, thank you so much for the time. This has been a really fun interview as always. It's always fun to to hang out with you for a little while. And I know our audience is going to enjoy it as well. All right. Excellent. I, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much, John. For the listeners, please go to theshadewagon.com to learn more about Saul's product. Also, be sure to check out harvestgrowth.com to see other episodes we've recorded. And if you'd like to take a shortcut and learn the process we've used to profitably launch and grow hundreds of products since 2007, download our secret sauce product marketing cheat sheet at harvestgrowthsecretsauce.com. Or you can set up an appointment right from our website to speak directly with a member of the Harvest Growth team in a free one-on-one consultation. 